Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. Increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Claire Bernanke. She's a principal at BBG Ventures, a New York-based early stage fund that backs typically overlooked female founders and is especially focused on companies that drive system changes, build 10x better consumer solutions or address new buying behaviors. Claire's prior experiences in VC include Letter Hippie, Cult Capital and the Insight Fellowship. Prior to venture capital, Claire worked in private equity at Pomona Capital. She started her career in Leveraged Finance Group at Bank of America Merrill Lynch and holds an MBA from Columbia. Thank you so much for joining us today, Claire. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super. Jumping right in, curious to hear a little bit about your journey from Leveraged Finance to private equity and now to venture capital. Yeah. Um so I went to UNC for undergrad and was in the business program there. Um I think I didn't really have like a great sense of what exactly I wanted to do. Like knew I liked math um and also liked communicating with people and so business felt like kind of a natural major there. Um I think both of my parents didn't go to college and so like honestly didn't have even like a great sense for what investment banking was but like knew it was a fast-paced job where you learn a lot and so um kind of like took the offer when I got it at Bank of America so I joined the leverage finance group which was mostly focused on um LBOs and doing some like bond financing and uh term loans as well. Um so got some exposure to like private equity and thinking kind of like an investor um when I was at Bank of America and realized like when we were assessing if we wanted to hold capital on our balance sheet, realized that um kind of thinking about like the potential risks and even potential upsides um was really interesting to me to me and that kind of led me to pursue a career in investing next. I think I still didn't really know where exactly within the investment landscape I wanted to land and so Pomona Capital actually um did like secondaries, co-investments, direct investments across uh, a few different strategies, so private equity, they did some venture capital which actually kind of like piqued my interest in venture. Um and you know, it did like large buyouts, middle market. Um so really saw the full landscape and I think that was great for like getting a sense of different asset classes and different strategies um and like i mentioned kind of piqued my curiosity in venture and so from there um decided to go to business school to see if that was something i wanted to pursue and really used business school to test what i liked and so i thought about um like throughout school using internships so i worked at like a startup um called Coyo worked at Studs worked at um Lair Hippo like you mentioned which was a venture fund i also briefly worked on my own company um in the at home testing space within healthcare um and so really saw kind of like the full suite of entrepreneurship and venture and early stage startups and ultimately landed on venture from there um and so i th- think my internship at Lair really confirmed that i liked early stage investing because that was kind of like of a concern i had like can i go so early when there's not a lot of information um and so liked bbg because it kind of gave me the ability to t- uh invest at the early stage but also 
Um, I actually joined when we were raising our first institutional fund. BBG has been around since 2014, so had two single LP funds. But when I joined, we were raising our first like broader fund. Um, so it felt like an exciting time to come in and just have the opportunity to help set up kind of like our processes and like how we would do diligence. We were starting to lead rounds. So it kind of blended like my entrepreneurial curiosity with also investing and then really like the team um, and liked our mandate of investing in female and diverse founders. That's awesome. You did really make the best of your business school time, like most of us try to do. But that's really cool to know. Um, you did touch upon a little bit, but curious to hear a little bit more about your decision to particularly join BBG Ventures. And you started talking about it, the fund's investment strategy, which is focused on um, select groups. Would love to hear a little bit more. And, and I'm guessing that was one of the big things that led to your decision to join the fund uh, eventually. So would love to hear about all of those decision makings. Yeah, so um, our strategy today, so we um, recently completed kind of like our first or not completed, but in terms of initial investments, we've done 28 initial investments within a $50 million fund. Um, so our strategy is to lead or co-lead rounds at the early stage in companies with female founders. So that's typically pre-seed or seed deals, um, sometimes or even like first institutional check in. Um, and so we'll do about 50% of the fund in initial deals, and then 50% of the fund is allocated for follow-on. So we have one more deal in our current fund that we're negotiating right now and then we're in market with a new fund um and we've done a first close on that so we'll start investing that fund when we do this last deal um so in terms of strategy i mean we usually look for as a lead we look for like significant ownership up front that's usually um upwards of like nine to ten percent um and we you know are really looking across i would say we are generalist because we are investing in female and diverse founders, which is unfortunately like a subset of what gets funded. And so it's hard to be too focused within that mandate. Um, but we all we do have like certain areas that get us really excited. I would say I've spent a lot of time in like healthcare, future of work, fintech. Um, we also do a lot of like climate and ed tech. I think we see that female founders tend to build in like high impact areas that are transforming kind of like how we live. Um, and so that's kind of some of the areas and I would say like where female founders are building informs a bit of like where we ultimately end up investing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of high level on strategy if that's helpful. That makes sense. Um, and we are always excited to have funds specifically focused on women on our show because it is at the basis of the show itself. Um, so kudos to the team on, on making that happen. Um, as a follow-up to the investment strategy, I guess, uh, I'm really curious to hear some of the trends or maybe themes within startup world that you're really excited about. Yeah. Um, so I think like as you look at the evolution of our funds, fund one and two leaned a little bit more B2C. And I would say like B2B, especially in this economic environment, is like Fund three was really like 50-50 B2C, B2B. And I think with fund four, we're like leaning even more heavily on that. If we look at our second fund, our three, our four largest companies were driven by B2B uh, business models. And so I think kind of like looking at our track record, we're realizing that sometimes like where there's more opportunity for value. And that doesn't mean we're not excited about consumer companies, but I think oftentimes that's like, even when the company um, maybe has like 
the ability to touch the end consumer, sometimes the B2B route is a better way to reach the consumer from like a customer acquisition cost perspective. Um, and so I think like just leveling up on that, the digital transformation of legacy businesses is like a theme that we're really excited about and that can touch like a lot of different areas. So it can be within fintech, um, you know, platforms that are like helping to like one that I looked at was actually the overlap of fintech and healthcare. So um, helping to save insurance companies and ultimately the end consumer like cost on healthcare that are sometimes overlooked or like um, typed in like incorrectly. And so resulting in like immediate ROI there. Um, I think like healthcare, we've seen platforms for like nurses that are helping with staffing which is like oftentimes like something done on kind of pen and paper today and like there might be a few people at a hospital system that are responsible for doing that as their full-time job and so like when you think about things that are just really um inefficient like i would say anything putting tech around that and sometimes like ai is incorporated into that is really interesting to us right now um but yeah i mean i think the themes are kind of like broadly the same but leaning a little bit more with like B2B acquisition models. Awesome. That makes sense. And I do agree. Um, it's always surprising to me how obviously innovation and NBC and, and startups have been around for a while. But then you look at industries, like you said, healthcare or financial services, there's still so much um, space to disrupt just because of the legacy nature of how processes are. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there for startups. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Um, like I said a little um, earlier, BBG has done a great job of helping bridge the gap for female founders. However, as you know, the stats in the broader industry are pretty disappointing. What do you think needs or will change in the coming years to move the needle? Um, and just for our listeners, they've heard the stats a few times now, but reiterating around 10% of um women in VC are actually decision makers and less than 2% of female founders get VC dollars? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think like when you look back to when we were founded in 2014, like that stat has been roughly consistent since then. Um, and there have been more, like I would say like we were one of the first funds dedicated to investing in companies with female founders and like now even have the ability to lead there. But I think um, there's been more and more that have started yet like that number has stayed roughly consistent and so like I think it's a mix of things I think there was actually something in term sheet today talking about how diverse founders in follow-on rounds at the later stage like that's where there's still a huge gap like yes there are all these like accelerators now with diversity focuses and I would say like some of the larger funds have carved out these like mandates around having like a pocket to invest in diversity founders but like especially in an economic downturn if they're not able to raise subsequent rounds which is becoming more challenging um that's kind of like a huge issue um and so i mean i think it's like ultimately we're not quite there but i think you know we're on our second fund but i think like eventually having the ability to like prove out the mandate at the early stage and then raise potentially like an opportunity fund and like obviously like us as a standalone fund like that's not going to solve it but i do think some of these like breakout emerging managers focused on investing in diverse founders they start at the seed stage because that's where you can raise a smaller fund and build like a true strategy it's harder to raise like 
a growth fund with like a smaller amount of capital and because it's like female and diverse founders that are building these funds focused on female and diverse founders. Like they are the ones with, um, you know, they don't have like access to the traditional LP networks that like white men oftentimes do. And so I think it's like perhaps when these funds are then able to raise opportunity funds at the later stage, like that could help to move the needle as women become more senior in their organizations like that could potentially create opportunity but I also think the pain point there is like if you're still the sole female GP at a male dominated fund um, sometimes it's harder to like pitch what looks different and so I think that's like honestly until we have like significantly more women that are GPs at funds where there are like multiple women at like some of the top funds um it's ultimately going to be really challenging so it's it's a tough problem that I don't have like the best answer to but you do bring up a really interesting point um there has been a proliferation in general of seed funds but also um we've seen a lot of diversity focused funds at the earlier stages and like you said in the current environment having that follow-on um, support and partner is really critical. Um, so it is something to consider as well. Um, Claire, this has been a great chat. Before I close off, I want to ask you one last question, which we really like to ask all of our guests. What advice would you have for aspiring female investors? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think... Um... Some of the advice like I really took to heart was like start to try to do the job in different ways like before you're in the job. And so I think that can look like a few different things. But like when you're meeting with VCs to like start to build out your network, like think about how to show that you can source. So that could be like sending them a couple of deals that could be relevant for them. Think about how to show that you can do portfolio support. So maybe you have like a couple of ideas for their companies or you're working on the side with a company. Um, show that you can do like thematic investing. And so maybe that's building that investment thesis. And it doesn't have to be all of those things. I can th I think you can think about like, what are you best at and how do you showcase that? But I think when you are meeting with like VCs to build out your network, like showing some value out of each of those connections. Um, like obviously VC is like relationship driven and not a hundred percent transactional, but I think like the meetings where it's kind of like both people sharing on both sides, like those are the most valuable for everyone, like even if it is a friendly relationship. And so I think just like really try to maximize some of that and then stay top of mind. Um, and so that's maybe like sending a couple of deals regularly or just like sending one of those three things that I mentioned on a recurring basis. Um, so I think that's one piece. I mean, I think the other piece is like just I would say like don't try to follow the mold necessarily because there isn't one. Um I would say like my because of my background in finance, like at the early stage, like I've kind of leaned on this like financial modeling angle, which, um, you know, I think like a lot of people at the late stage can financial model. But I think at the early stage, it's less common. Um, and so like that's not like the sexiest thing, obviously, but it's something that like comes naturally to me. And so like I recently hosted a breakfast for female founders around how to like financial model and market size and a downturn and how to think about fundraising. 
Um, I like wrote blog posts about financial modeling. Um, and so I've kind of just like leaned on that, even when I wanted to like help companies initially when I first broke in, like that was like something where I could immediately add value. And so it's going to be different for everyone, but I would just think about like, what's your angle and try to lean on that um, rather than trying to like fit a stereotype. That's some great advice to end this conversation on. Claire, again, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun.